Good morning, everyone. Uh, come grab a seat. And we are going to make a uh, good morning. So I'm Steve. A huge, huge welcome. A huge welcome. Um, those of us who went to the fireworks last night, it was awesome. It was really, really good. One of the roles of uh, what I've read about, one of the roles of a leader and a pastor is to um, admonish and to bring some sort of correction. And um, so those of us who were here yesterday, I, I just... I feel like I need to just bring a bit of correction for some of us. Um, so Frederick and I were the only ones saying ooh and ah. And um, I was trying to model it. I was trying to, you know, so one of the things you do is try and model good behaviour. And so Fred, Frederick and I, Fred was on my shoulders and we were going, ooh, at the fireworks and ah. And the 40 of you who came, no, no one else was doing it. Um, and so... Um, so normally what we'd do is we'd bring forth the sinners <laughs> and uh, have them stand up. But on this, on this occasion, I'm going I'm I'm to let you off. I'm going to let you off. Okay. Um, but it was great. It was really, really great. We were at Laura's house and there was like dozens and dozens of us. Uh, we've got loads of cake left over. Um, and uh, so please come, please come if you're around after... After the service, please come to our house. We've got some great, lovely sausages and things like that. Um, but this morning, uh, okay, I'm going to start. This morning, let me just read a read some scripture. Look, can I just pray, uh, Lord? I bless the preacher. Um, I pray that you would give him words. And, uh, and Father, we uh, we just release your love and your peace onto onto this morning. Yeah. Uh, and God, I thank you that you're so good. Yeah. And uh, so bless these words, bless this iPad, and bless this mic in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Okay. Uh, so let me just read, read from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1. It said, The word, and the screens could come up. We've got some Bibles at the back. If anyone needs, if anyone needs a Bible, just help yourself. We've got lots of sort of, uh, I'm not going to call it propaganda, but we've got. <laughs> We've got lots and lots of hand, lots and lots literature. of things. Literature. Literature. <laughs> good, good, solid literature. So um, just help, help yourself. We've even got some music CDs, some worship CDs. So help yourself. Um, this is what it says. Jeremiah 1. The word of, of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as, as prophet to the nations. And this is Jeremiah saying, Yes, sovereign Lord, I said. I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So can you imagine, can you imagine what Jeremiah must have felt when he heard God say, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Um, and so here at this moment, the voice of God, uh, Jeremiah hears the voice of God, the creator of the universe. Uh, who, you know, so this is the, the God who, who flung all the stars into space. He formed all the world as we know, from that sort of telescopic to the microscopic. So God has formed it all. 
And yet God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you're special. I had you in my mind before I created all of this. Uh, a long, long, long time ago, before I created the world, you, Jeremiah, I knew and I formed you and I, I knew everything about you. Um, and so here at the beginning of Jeremiah's sort of ministry, he hears, he hears the voice of God and he hears who he is according to God. I don't know about you, I, wouldn't you love to hear Steve? Like, or, you know, Andy. Wouldn't you love to know who you are according to God? Wouldn't you love to know that? Uh, and so what we're going to do is spend this next... Um, we're going to spend the next couple of sessions, uh, sessions next couple of services, uh, next couple of weeks, talking about identity. And this is something that Viv and I, God has put on our hearts. So we, we're going to look at these next couple of weeks, but I guarantee we're going to look at this again and again and again. Because uh, I think the whole question of identity... Uh, is the big issue for Christians, and it is the big issue for us as a, as a society, uh, and particularly for us Christians living in London. In my own life, and the people that I know, uh, without a secure and solid identity, it, it creates these sort of stumbling blocks. You kind of walk around life and you trip over <laughs> your identity, or for some of us, we just hit a brick wall when it comes to our own identity. And so... Um, and we see it in blockbuster films, don't we? Um, Viv and I, we watched James Bond this week. And I love, I love those kind of films, like Born Identity. It's the, yeah. And it's the hero who's asking the question, who am I? Who am I? And so we see that with Jason Bourne. He's trying to discover who he is. Or even James Bond, who, who am I? And I think this question, who I am, or who am I, is the question that we're all asking ourselves, whether we, whether we know it or not. Um, I don't... I mean, it's one of those kind of deep uh, psychological questions. Who am I? And we, we imagine ourselves spending a lot of money in a therapist room, sitting on a sort of chaise lounge and just kind of asking the question, who am I, who am I, and we're pondering. And it's not the kind of thing that we, uh, so at work, it's not the kind of thing that we talk about over coffee or a break or we've just finished dodgeball and we're now like, who, who am I, who am I? It's not, it really isn't the question that we're asking. Consciously, but I, I really think this question, who am I, is the thing that we're asking ourselves. Uh, it shapes who we are, how we think, and how we feel about ourselves, how we think about it, how we feel about ourselves, but also how we look to God. So it's almost like our identity, if it's... I'm going to attempt to do this. Um, over, I should be in some artisan coffee shop. Um, but the lens that we look at our life, the, the lens that we see ourselves and the way we see God affects everything. And so, um, uh, and so, I, I think unless we've got a secure identity to know who we are and what God looks like. It, it, it shapes everything about us. And so a couple of weeks ago, Viv, uh, those of us who are here, Viv was talking about the three chairs. Do you remember? And, you know, she, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom here. And this is, this is the kingdom there. And she started talking about what God looks like to us. And God is a good, good father. Amen. Um, I've lost my notes. Um, 
Uh, and so I, I wanted to kind of take what Viv started with the, the three chairs. Like, how, who is God? He's, he's a good, good father. And, and being slightly competitive, if you've seen Viv and I play table tennis, you know that competition is quite a big, big part of our lives. So Viv had the three chairs. I'm having the four cups. I'm, kind of, I'm taking it another level. And um, so we're going to look at uh, our identity and the lens. So we have these lenses that we put on based on different things that we've, we've experienced. Okay. Um, forgive me, I've totally lost all my notes. Okay. Um, and so... Uh, I don't know about you, when you go onto Facebook or Instagram, so last night someone might, we took a load of selfies and all of that kind of thing, and I don't know, some of us, we, when we, if we're out with friends with, with, our, with our mates, we take a picture of meals, I don't quite, I, don't, I never get that, but um, our friends take the same picture, and we, we've all done this, they've got 23 likes, and I've only got four. It's, it's asking that question, who am I? Um, those of us who are on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and all of that kind of thing, we've all done it. We've all, our esteem goes up when we, when we get more likes. We've, we've all done it, let's be honest, we've all done it. But it's asking that question, who am I? And uh, at the, so with Jeremiah, he knew he, who he was, but there's lots and lots of these pools that we have in our, in our lives. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these, these four cups. Um, I, used to, I used to mentor young people at risk of exclusion. So I've, I've been based in the schools around mainly Peckham and pupil referral units. And one of the things I used to do with some of the young people that would get referred to me was I would get them to write out 50 things that they like about themselves. 50 things. That's one of the first exercises I used to do. And one of, one of the girls I, I worked with, she, she just couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it. I gave it to her as homework. She came back. She said, I can't think of anything that I like about myself. And we spent an hour, I spent an hour with her and, and some other in the group and just said, what do you like about yourself? Could be things that you've achieved, things that you've done, your appearance, your goals, your dreams. And she was just like, she just drawn a blank. The only thing that she could think of was, I'm breathing. After an hour, she was, I'm breathing and I'm not ill. That was quite, I was, that was quite shocked. I was quite shocked with that. And uh, her main, so she got referred to me because every lesson, she would grab a chair and throw it at someone whether it's a teacher or a, or a pupil. And so her goal was, was to, instead of throwing eight chairs a day, her goal was to kind of reduce that to one or two a week. And that, was, that was her goal. And, um, and over, the course of the, over the course of the term, we did loads of sort of encouraging exercises with her and helping her with her, her esteem. And uh, she did it. And she, uh, after the term, she, she, she got a, a commendation by a head teacher for the most improved behaviour in the, in the whole, whole class. And with a whole group of teenagers, we would then get them to uh, buy these mirrors, these square mirrors. And we would sit around and just say, Stop. tell each other one thing that you like about, about this, you know, so... Gemma, what do you like about Gemma? And so we'd write down all of these positive things and then we'd get some glass paint 
and just paint these positive words uh, on the on the mirror for, for and then we'd give the we'd give them to the, t- the teenager. Gemma, this is what other people think about you. Here are ten things that other people think about you. And so now put that mirror in your bedroom. And so when you look at your lot, when you look at yourself, instead of seeing what you've seen over the last fifteen years, just look at those words that that people think. And not only that, just begin saying that, saying that over, over yourself. And we began to see lots more some improvements. Uh, my hunch is uh, that we could all do with that. My hunch is that for some of us, when we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see. My hunch is, is that if I think about, if I give you homework, list 50 things that you like about yourself, for some of us, we'll find that very difficult. Uh, I think self-hatred is, is, is bigger than we imagine. I think the way people look at themselves and the negative view that they have on themselves is, is an increasing problem. Because we know, we know people that are like that, don't we? We know people that are, when they think about that question, who am I, their first response is negative. Their first response is actually, I've got a low opinion of myself. Or they go through these highs and lows. They go up and down. Uh, they, they go from depression to anger. Uh, and one of the things that we, uh, we used to talk about is this crazy eight that sometimes people find themselves in. So they, they know what depression's like, and so they get depressed, and they don't like that, so they flip around, but they don't know quite what to do that, so they react and they get angry. They don't like that either, and so they end up in a cycle of depression and then anger, depression. And for some people, they internalise it, so they feel angry about themselves, they look in the mirror and they hate what they see. And for other people, they lash out onto, onto other people. And so what we want to do is help us, for some of us, we need to jump out of this cycle. But we need some, we need some help. So, I'm going to try and come over here. Still on. Yeah. I'm going to try and come over here. So with Jeremiah, God spoke to him. And uh, before you were born, I am, my imagination is, before you were born, God held you in his hand. Because he knew you. And he had you in his mind before you were born. And he, and he spoke some words over you. And then he carefully placed you in his mother's womb. Uh, let me just read some scriptures. Um, in Rick Warren's book, uh, the Purpose Driven Life. Some of us have it's a really, really good book. He makes this profound statement, and he says, "You're no accident. Your birth was no mistake, and your life is no fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. God's not surprised by your birth. Uh, he expected it. My my mom was 16 when she had me, and I certainly wasn't planned, um, but." Instead of being aborted, instead of my mum choosing to abort me, she decided to keep me secret from her parents. And um, uh, and so, at any moment, I wasn't planned. I wasn't planned. Uh, and I may have been an accident, but according to scripture, God, God planned my birth. God planned my existence. And he planned your birth. And he planned your, your existence too. I, you, were, you were meant to be born and alive. Uh, the Bible states that you were conceived in the mind of God before you were placed in the womb of the mother. 
And um, it's not fate that you're here, and it's not luck that you're around. It's no coincidence that you are breathing on, on that chair this morning. I hope you're all breathing on the chair this morning. Because the moment that God, God had you in his mind, he had you in his mind, let me say 10 million years ago, even, even longer, he, he spoke some words over you. And there's some words in scripture that we're to memorize and to know. But there's also some personal words. There's some gifts and some talents that we're all created, created here for. Who knows twins? Does anyone here know twins? They may look different, but totally different personalities. Most twins have got different, different personalities. Even though they look the same, they've got these different personalities. David, David in the Psalms wrote, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mar and it, this is what it says, marvellous are your works. So when God held you in his hands, he says that you're marvellous. You're his masterpiece. You're, you're magnificent. And so whenever we look in the mirror and don't like what we see, when, God's, when God created you, he says, you're marvellous. You're my masterpiece. And, and I'm going to give you as a gift to planet Earth. That, that's, what, that's what the scripture says. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And we should walk in it. We should find out. And so one of the discoveries that we have as Christians and as followers of Jesus is to discover what, what it is that God spoke over us about. Yeah. Discover what we were meant to be here on planet Earth. And, uh, and for Viv and I, when we're thinking about this church, our dream, I'm telling you something about dreams really, our dreams were that you would discover who God, God made you to be. That you would discover who you were. And, uh, and in doing so, when, pe when people, followers of Jesus, discover who they are, they never want to be anyone else. Um, and that's what I, I've, been, I've been on this journey to discover. Who, I, who am I? And some of us, like Jeremiah, we might, might not be prophets to the world, but there are certain things that God has given you for the planet Earth, or it might be for your, for your area, for your, for your community. Um, okay, I'm coming on to this. So... So God spoke these things over us. And one of the things in scriptures I was to find out what are some of the things that we said, as God said. Now, we, when we were born, we were given a body. And, uh, and the, yeah, we were, given, we were given a body. And for some of us, we don't like what we see when we look in the mirror. The body that we see, we don't like what we see. And so this can influence how we feel about ourselves. This can influence the lens that we look on, on our life as well. Um, but God here has spoken his promises over you. But our bodies can affect the way that we think about ourselves, the way we see ourselves. Um, deep thinkers and psychologists say that our childhood experiences have the biggest impact on our self-esteem and, our, and our, how we see ourselves. So yeah. our childhood is a really, really important, important stage. So the things that our parents said to us, the things that we did, the, th the things that we experienced. They're, they're saying that children are like sponges. They're just sponges. They're, 
they're fantastic receivers of information, but they're poor at um, interpreting. So they're great listeners, but poor interpreters. So as a parent, we say things to our kids expecting them to have these adult minds, but they don't understand quite what was going on. So I've, I've, I've met my dad about three or four times. My, my understanding was that my dad really didn't want me. He, he kind of, he thought, he didn't really want to know me, uh, understand me, want to find out about me. And the way that I interpreted that was negative. I thought it was to do with me, but actually as an adult and as a parent, I've realised that it's him, it's, the, it's his stuff. But as a child, I, I, saw, I never saw my dad, so I just thought, oh, he doesn't love me, he doesn't want to know me. But actually, as a, as a child, I interpreted that wrongly. Um, and for some of us, some of our childhood experience has a massive impact on how we, and how we think about ourselves, how we look to God. Okay. okay, another one. Pain or trauma. Uh, if you've been alive more than 10 minutes, you're going to experience some pain. You're going to experience people who say things, do things, whether that's physically or verbally or emotionally. They're going to say things to you that cause you pain. Uh, and things happen to us. Pain, so I call this sort of pain and trauma. And this is a big, big impact on us. How we ha can have a knock on our self-esteem. For some of us who we, we ask the question, who am I? We, we, might get us, we might find relationships that are, are, are affecting us. We might get into relationships of, which are damaging us. We might hear people say things to us which are going to do us harm. And that really, really impacts the way we see ourselves. And the last one, sin. Uh, for followers of Jesus, this is, a, this is another... Uh, has a big impact on our self-esteem. The way we look at ourselves through the lens of sin can, can damage our self-esteem, so it can hinder us. For lots of guys that I talk to, sin affects our, our, our feeling that we can't do anything for God. I can't be a man of God because look at my life, look at what, look at what I'm doing. And it becomes this lens that we view ourselves, and it becomes this lens that we view God. Let me just read another a verse here. Uh, 1 John 1, verse 7. And it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, Christ his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me just talk to you about this. Um, uh, just during the day, the devil or yourself may whisper into your head, You cannot go into God's presence. Because you've not been reading the Bible, you've not been serving in the church, you've not been doing, doing things that you should be doing. Um, and I, I believe one of the killers of Christians is this word should. Uh, we should, I should be sorted by now. You know, I've been a Christian like, all these years and I should, I shouldn't have messed up. I shouldn't be messing up all the time. I should, I should. And it's almost like we're shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> we, just, we just label it, we just put these shoulds in our heads. And that's the thing that it stumbles us, it, it, it hits us. So we should, should, should be bad from our vocabulary. And we might hear him saying, um, well, the things that we've just done, the things that we said. 
what the devil does, or what our, our self-esteem does, or our identity says, is that, that we're not qualified to come to, come to God. We're not qualified to be used by God. We're not clean enough to draw near to God. But the truth is, and this is really, really true, the truth is, regardless of how you feel, or what you've done, it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and purifies. Some, some description says purifies us, but this word cleansing, uh, in the original Greek, this word cleansing means a present continuous action. So Jesus' blood is continually cleansing you. I don't know about you, but if you imagine, for some people, they imagine their sin like God's keeping a tally. On the one side are all the things that you've done wrong. And God's got, he's, like, he's marking, like today, like, here's a, <laughs> I need some more chalk. And God's got this marker here, and he's saying, right, I can only forgive you if you confess it. And so, as you come to God, you say, oh, God, sorry I, sorry I did this. Okay, great, you can get the blackboard and rub it, in. Rub it out. I'm sorry, okay, got that. And he's looking at that, going, well, you haven't confessed these 12 things here. Um, and throughout the week, I don't know about, this is my metaphor, throughout the week, we've got hundreds of things that we haven't confessed, and therefore God's like, actually, you can't draw near to me until you, you know, I'm running out of blackboard. I, 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 there's no room. But this original Greek says, the cleansing or the purifying, it's ongoing. It's continuous, it's like a wash cycle that just keeps going. That, that this is a lie. There's nothing in scripture which says that God is counting your sin. And the power, and this is what we need to realize, the power of the cross, the power of the blood, what Jesus did for us, didn't just do the, before we became Christians. It's not just before we became Christians. This is for, this is for the church, that the continuous blood of Christ, that it, it's ongoing, it's washing you clean the whole time. So, as Paul says, Shall we keep on sinning? Because this grace is so powerful, it continually purifies us that there's nothing we can do that will make God love us any, any less because of this continuous wash cycle. And for some Christians, we, I don't know about you, or maybe you've heard this, you've got the kind of grumpy God, the grumpy Father God, and you've got this kind of cut out Jesus, like cut out there, and we're behind. And so, so God, you know, is grumpy. Oh, who, who are these people? Oh, good, there's, there's Jesus. He's there. That's good. But he kind of peers around and he sees, um, for our American friend, you're hiding. He sees, he sees, what is that? Like, what is that? And he has to look at Jesus again. Oh, that's so much better. That's so much better. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, I need to see Jesus before I see you. It's, it's unbiblical. It's really, really unbiblical. The power of the cross and the power of Jesus' blood has meant that we are free and we're continuously free. So as Paul says, shall we keep on sinning? No, because the grace compels us not to sin any longer. It's the grace of God that compels us. So there's nothing you can do, there really is nothing you can do to make God look at you any worse or any less. There's no blackboard up here. There's no cut out Jesus. You know, God's this grumpy God. And he needs Jesus to kind of look at, look at you. 
He loves you. He really, really loves you. And to understand the power of what Jesus has done for us on the cross is our lifelong journey. And to understand the power of, uh, sorry, the promise of God uh, and how our, our, our journey as followers of Jesus, I believe, is to find out before God created the world, what was it that he had in his mind about you? And so our journey would be, I see myself with these lenses. I see myself with all this sin and all this pain, all this shame, and my body, my childhood. My journey, for many of us, our journey is just, actually, I'm just seeing, I can't need to remove. I'm just seeing, because I want to see what Jesus, Jesus promises, promises me. Let me give you a couple of tips, and then we're going to pray for people. Worship is one of the best ways to, to understand what, and to feel and to experience God's love. Um, because what worship does is it, it, it takes our preoccupation with ourselves and puts it back onto God. And as we worship, it's the easiest place to, and the easiest way to, to encounter God's presence. And so, so get yourself in whatever, whether it's here, whether it's on your own, whether it's in scripture, whether it's with other people, just worship and discover. Um, the other thing, and we're going to touch on this next, next time, is about forgiveness. Particularly when it comes, it's like, here's a magic show. <laughs> Particularly when it comes to sin and pain and our childhood experiences and for our body, the power of forgiveness, forgiving ourselves and forgiving other people, is the quickest way to remove some of these lenses. Uh, so we were, we were at Job Club on Monday. Uh, on Monday, and this lady, she had uh, she had arthritis in her knees, and uh, we, I just felt as though, you know, sometimes you just have this feeling. The Bible talks about a word of knowledge. The Bible talks about information that you didn't know before if it wasn't for God. And so I, I just had this sense, this feeling, that she needed to forgive someone. Uh, in her life, and there were, in my mind I had these two people, and she said, and I, and I said to her, you know, I, I really believe that God wants to, you to forgive some people that have done you harm, they might have said things to you, they might have, they might have caused you pain, or they might have caused you tra trauma, um, but I believe that as you forgive them, something in our body, because we're all, we're all committed together, so some, as we forgive some, someone, our bodies might be healed as well. And she said, oh yeah, my mom and my sister, I need to forgive them. And so we prayed, we, we took her through a sort of forgiveness confession. And then uh, we prayed for her knees, she had arthritis in her knees. And at the end of the prayer, she just, all we said was, like, just forgive, forgive your parents, forgive your, forgive your sister. And she was like, wow, that's so much better. That's amazing, that's really, really powerful. That's incredible. And what we did at the same time, um, and this is what we do when we pray for people, all we're doing is telling them who they are to God. And there's some things in scripture that we can, we can say. So now when we pray for someone in the streets, we were out yesterday talking to people, praying for people, all we're doing is saying, you know what, you're, you're God's child. Even before the creation of the world, God knows you, he knows everything about you, and he loves you, you're precious, you're marvellous. 
And, uh, and so we often see tears just by saying that. We're not really telling them anything. There's no, there's no sort of prophetic word about their life. We're just saying they're a child of God. And you're a child of God. That you're marvelous. So, what I'd, like, I'd love to do, I'd love you to do some homework this week. Which is your stumbling block? Or blocks? Which are the lenses that you look on life and it causes you to stumble? It might be a few of those. And are there people that you need to forgive? Are there people that you need to forgive? It might be as you look in the mirror, you need to forgive yourself. And uh, it might be that for some of us, the, the sin, we just, we just know that the, the wash cycle of God is, is available. So let, let's stand. And what we're going to do is just invite God to, uh, just maybe for some of you, begin to speak, speak some words of life and of love over you. So let's stand together and we're going to sing, we're going to worship, and uh, we're going to pray for people.